Ah, it's good to see you. And for those watching online, we're glad to see you also. What a beautiful day. This is springtime in Montana is you never know what you're going to get. And it's beautiful out today. We were in uh, Dillon yesterday at a baseball tournament. And I kid you not, I got my wife the best present since her wedding ring. It was one of those coverings that you can watch baseball when it's storming out and you zip it up and you can still see everybody else get wet. And we had hundreds of people walking by just, just wishing that they were inside. And uh, it was nice, it was beautiful out. And I thought, man, this is the greatest thing ever made. Just perfect. And uh, as I was walking around, I started noticing these huge storm clouds that were coming and going and then the lightning off in the distance. And I just thought, that's the greatest thing ever made, is just creation and just the power of lightning. Everything went small. Baseball, which I love, people around there, which I love, got small. And I started seeing the magnificence of the Lord. And everything went quiet. And I just watched these clouds roll in and the lightning take place. And I thought, doggone it, baseball's stopping. But thank you. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me how magnificent you are. So when we see clouds roll in and the lightning take place, we are reminded of that magnificence of God. And that's why we're here, ultimately, is to celebrate the magnificence of God and his son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming. Thank you for watching Bozeman Online. This is great. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful day. Dick, where's Dick? Come on up. Someday I will have a mustache like yours. Good morning, and welcome to Spring Hill Church, and welcome to everyone here and everyone looking and worshiping online. It's great to have you with us. Okay, we need your help to keep Sunday mornings as safe as we can, and we need folks to sign up for the sanitization crew uh, to work between services, to wipe down door handles, doorknobs, uh, generally disinfect the area. So if you're willing to do that, uh, contact Bo Friend. Is Bo around? He's here. Find Bo Friend. Or, and I'm going to read this because you're going to get the news and updates page on Facebook, uh, on the website. And on Facebook, you can go to the sanitization team sign-up genius link. I don't have a genius link. It wasn't given to me, so you can sign up out front, too. Oh, here's Bo. Um, we're also needing more help to cover the front office during the week, to answer phones, to take and receive visitors. And so if you are... Uh, willing and inclined and able to do that, contact Ryan, and uh, it'll all work out. So we need help with that. There are two important events coming up uh, soon. 
One June 28th at 7 p.m. there's a congregational meeting called by the elders and it's going to be online so it's going to be via Zoom and it's going to be for them, all of us, to receive the budget, to hear from our nominating committee and to get updates on our pastoral staffing. So please, uh, the 28th of June, 7 p.m., uh, try to attend. Additionally, on July 19th, that's going to be our Baptism Sunday. And if it's at all like it was last year, it's going to be marvelous. Uh, it's just a great event. It's a great time. Everyone try and be involved and participate with that. Finally, if you're in middle school or high school, well, you'll know who you are. Uh, they're meeting tonight. The youth group is meeting tonight, seven, six to seven o'clock, uh, for worship and games. And that's all I have. Have a wonderful week. Thanks. Not quite. There we go. <laughs> Thank you for the announcements. Let's stand together for our call to worship. This is from Psalm 46, and this is a responsive reading, so I'll read where it says leader, and you, read, re you respond where it says all. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's continue in standing in worship as we sing to the Lord.
Sorry, friends. Can you hear me now? <laughs> All right, who has played the game telephone? Can you raise your hand? Okay, there's a few of you. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, telephone is when you start saying one word and you pass it around a circle, whispering it. And typically that word changes by the end and it's something super funny and not what you started with. Well, boys and girls, in our Bible story, that's kind of what happened. Paul had to write a letter to the people in Colossae because there were some false teachers who weren't getting things from the original source and they were telling and teaching things that weren't true of Jesus. And so Paul had to write a letter to tell them what was true about Jesus. Kind of like the game of telephone where it got all mixed up and jumbled up. So boys and girls, we are gonna learn more about that in Sunday school. And if you want to come, we're gonna head outside and you can come with Miss Lauren and I after we pray, okay? Now, can everyone bow their heads and repeat after me? Dear God, Dear God. please help us to hear your voice and your truth. Thank you for loving us. In your name I pray, amen. All right, boys and girls, we're going to come back and head out to Sunday school. If you can meet me at the back. <laughs> This actually looks more fun. I kind of want to go. I know. As we head into the next, next part, it's on confession. And confession is a time where we draw close to the Lord. We look at our life, and we draw near to Him, and He draws near to us. And we do that corporately, we do that individually. Today we're going to do it corporately. So read after me, or read with me, the confession. Almighty God, you have raised Jesus from death to life and crowned him Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him or acknowledged his rule in our lives. We have gone along the ways of the world and failed to give him glory. We forgive us this sin that we may be your faithful people obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ, who rules the world and is head of the church, his body. Amen. And as we come before the Lord, he ha we have an assurance of pardon. God doesn't sit back and go, nah, that wasn't good enough. Do it again. Great parenting technique, isn't it? We have an assurance of pardon in this. And for this one comes from 2 Corinthians. So let's read together. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ our sins are forgiven. Amen.
please stand as we continue to worship. people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good night. It is so good to sing with you. You know how long I've been singing by myself in this? That's not true. I had Becca and the worship team with me too, but it is so good to hear your voices and to, to sing together as God's people, isn't it? And you all don't look a whole lot different to me, but the, uh, did you see the boys and girls? Man, three months go by and it's like, holy cow. Um, it's good to be in worship with you this morning. Um, we're continuing on in this, this series uh, on Nehemiah, Uncertain Times, Courageous Leadership. And when I thought about this series, I thought, man, but will time still be uncertain uh, in the midst of all this series? And here we are nine weeks in, and you with me? Like, times are still feeling a little uncertain uh, lately. And so, uh, so this, this series is so relevant to our lives, so good, so rich. I'm going to read to you, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb this morning, I'm going to ask for extra grace. I'm going to read you an entire chapter of scripture. It's going to be long. We're going to have to work really hard to focus because there's big words that I'm going to mispronounce. It's going to be good. Um, but as we read through this chapter, this is a confession. This is the longest confession of God's people in scripture. And the reason I want to read the entire chapter is because it actually walks us through the history of Israel. If you've ever wondered, like, what are the main pieces of the summary of history of, of who God's people are? This is it uh, in chapter 9. And these are the, we can put up on the screens here, the, the 
main pieces. These are the main pieces that we're going to find together. Um, first, we're going to learn about Abraham and the covenant that God made with him. That's when this all got started, right? With this man, Abraham, I will make you a father uh, of many nations. And then we find that God's people move into slavery in the midst of, of Egypt, and they're, they're held in captivity there. But God frees them. They go into the wilderness, and uh, they're now wandering, and then they're moved into the promised land and then finally back into captivity. And we're going to find there's this theme throughout all of this history as they look back on their forefathers, uh, both confession of sin but also confession of who God is. Um, so bear with me. This is going to be long, uh, but it is rich. And if we really hone in on it, I promise there is good things, relevant things for us this Week. So let me pray for us and then let's jump in. God, we just ask, Lord, that as we open up your word, that your promise that it will not return void would be true today. That you would shape us through it, that you would make us and mold us, Lord, in the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we ask this morning as we're gathered together as God's people and you've assured us uh, that the Holy Spirit is in our midst, that the Holy Spirit would just move. God, that you would be glorified. Lord, would you give us ears to listen for you, eyes to see you, hearts to know you this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. You ready? All right, buckle up. Now, on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kenanai. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord alone. You have made heaven, the heavens of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of the Ur of Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made him a, the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Gergeshites. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all of his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they had acted arrogantly against our fathers. And you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. And you divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land and you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into the mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them by day, by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven, gave them the right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst and you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. 
But they and our fathers acted presumptuously, and they stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt and committed great blasphemies, you and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart them by day. The pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from your mouth and gave them water for thirst. Forty days you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, their feet did not swell. And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land at Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven. You brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in, possessed the land, and you subdued before the inhabitants of the land the Canaanites and gave them into their hands with their kings and the peoples of the land, and they might do with them as you would, as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of their enemies who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you and you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of the enemies. But after they had rest, after they, had rest they did evil again before you. And you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn back from your, warned them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are gracious and merciful, God. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardships seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, princes, priests, fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves to this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves." And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests.
Whew. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of God endures forever. Got to catch my breath. I want to talk to you this morning about patterns and pathways. Patterns and pathways. My, uh, my alma mater is Colorado State University, and at the center of, uh, of this campus is this large park. We call it the CSU Oval. It'd be much like, kind of like the, the center of MSU where Spirit the Bobcat sits. And if you were to look over this park at this bird's eye view, you would see what is really like an X-shaped pattern of sidewalks in every direction getting you to your classes but that despite the sidewalks, every fall, without fail, students would wear out the grass with their own foot trails to the nearest buildings. And I've always been curious about that, right? It's such a subconscious behavior. You're just walking to class one minute, and yet all it takes is a few students, and with enough traffic, there's a path that soon emerges. Soon enough, everyone follows behind, and before you know it, you might as well put a sidewalk in. You're on a major pathway. We took the girls on a butterfly hunt earlier this week, and we were in hot pursuit of one. Uh, and then we veered off the main trail. We somehow ended up on this much narrower sort of game trail that then led us up to a creek bed, to which Taylor, my daughter, asked me, where's the bridge? I said, well, we're not on a people, we're, we're on a deer trail. Uh, to which Taylor said, wait, deer like hiking too? See, it doesn't take long to even see that nature is all about patterns and pathways. And now our world is so connected, we can see this same concept play out online. A simple word on Twitter soon becomes a worldwide movement. You with me? This week we watched protests emerge in every state of this nation. Never underestimate the power of a trending hashtag. What was this small movement in Memphis in one week somehow spans the streets of London and Brazil and Mexico and Australia with thousands. We are a people of patterns and pathways, not just contemporarily so, but historically. We walk through the same paths that many have walked before us in one way or another, just stay on this topic with me for a minute. It's in all of our heads this morning. Just consider with me for a minute the history of civil rights in this country. 1861, American Civil War emerges over slavery. 1870, blacks are granted the right to vote. 1919, the Chicago race riots spread across the country. 1955, Rosa Parks refuses to give up her seat on the bus. 1963, Martin Luther King gives his I Have a Dream speech. 250,000 people gathered. 1965, Bloody Sunday, Watts riots. 1968, Martin Luther King is assassinated. 1992, Rodney King. 2013, the hashtag Black Lives Matter emerges. 2014, Michael Brown. 2016, Alton Sterling. 2020, Ahmad Arbery and George Floyd. And if you consider the timeline with me, there is a definite pattern being made in the grass, a pathway. But what I really want us to talk about this morning is not the patterns necessarily of society, but I thought just for a minute we should all look at our own path. The one thing that has always been a conviction of mine is to preach the word of God in the context of today. 
So Wednesday, I sit down with chapter nine of our, of our, our series. And I believe that if God's word speaks to something, we should speak to it and worship. If it doesn't, let's leave it alone. But today, as we open up this lesson, we find God's people acknowledging some patterns and pathways that need to be addressed in their lives. Recap Nehemiah with me just for a second. Let me bring us up to speed. Courageous leader, uncertain times. Nehemiah shows up to a burned down city. After months of prayer, he begins restoring the wall. Through all the turbulence and the turmoil, he completes the project. Last week, we learned of this return of some 40,000 people to celebrate the occasion in worship. But for the first time, Nehemiah now fades out of the picture. We're introduced to this priest named Ezra. Ezra's standing on a wooden platform last Sunday, reading aloud God's word. And the crowd is overcome by this scripture, and they're revealed this, this brokenness inside of them in worship. And as they weep, they're told, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we open up to chapter 9, and now this morning we find these same people now praying the longest recorded corporate confession of prayer in scripture. And this prayer is no ordinary run-of-the-mill prayer. This is not a Lord, thank you for this day kind of prayer. This is not a God bless this food kind of prayer. This is an intentional, thought out, deliberate, path changing, pattern altering kind of prayer. And note this, this is important. Nehemiah is not leading it. Ezra is not leading this prayer. This is now the Levites and God's people corporately on their knees leading the prayer themselves. You know, and this is an exhausted prayer, right? It's full of names and details and circumstances. We could spend an entire year just on this prayer alone. It summarizes the whole story. But if you boil this prayer down, it's really simple. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna summarize it just like this. This is the prayer. Lord, we found ourselves in an unhealthy pattern. Remove this cycle of sin. That's simple. Lord, we found ourselves in an unhealthy pattern. Remove this cycle of sin. Look at this in verse one up on the screens here. It says, the people of Israel, they gathered with fasting and sackcloth and with earth on their heads. The sackcloth, of course, represented repentance and returning in the Lord. The earth on their heads, the dirt poured over their faces represented mourning and lament. Look at this in verse two. And the Israelites then stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. People ask me from time to time, they say, why do we do this corporate prayer of confession as Dean led us this morning in? Why, why not just leave that up to each individual? Like, you don't know my sins and I don't really know your sins. It's kind of a downer. Many have said, let's just skip it. Let's leave it out entirely. But here's one reason why we do this. Uh, maybe, just maybe, we all walk a far similar path than we think we do. See, this entire chapter sort of flies in the face of individualism that we've, we've grown accustomed to in the West. It's not just a prayer confessing my sins. This is a prayer that acknowledges there is a pattern. And here's why. I think we forget that my sins often have a direct effect on the sins of my children and their children. In my family, you can go back decades, I've confessed this to you before, and you can find a sweet tooth in every single generation. Sugar is the weakness of my lineage. And, and, and this path was created for me long before I was born, right? It, it started with my, my, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, their grandparents. 
You can see it even in my own family and my parents and my children. If there's a cookie on the table, we're fighting for it. In fact, I heard just this week, my dad doesn't even know I know this story. But my brother shared with me, he said he was in the kitchen with my dad. They were all grabbing lunch, taking a lunch break after work. And in one hand, my dad had a quesadilla. And in the other hand, a bowl of crackling oat bran. My mom said to him, she said, why in the world are you eating sugary cereal for lunch? To which he replied, you failed to buy cookies this week. I share this tongue-in-cheek because I think we can all find far darker and sinister pathways in our family lineage. We can easily identify the patterns in our history. Really, just take a minute with me and think about it. What sins do you wear that were the sins of those who went before you? Workaholism, alcoholism, pride, sloth. Greed, temper, lust, violence, prejudice. We can all find an unhealthy path that we've stumbled upon, can't we? See, this this practice of corporate confession is deeply rooted in the history of worship of God's people. You can find this similar prayer time and time again in Israel's history in the Bible. It's in the book of Numbers, you can find it in First and Second Samuel, in Exodus, in Judges. Let me get really specific. You can find it in Psalm 105, 106, 135, 136. And as you read through this prayer of God's people, this pattern emerges every single time. Here's what it looks like. Let me boil it down even more. This is how you would describe it. God's faithfulness and Israel's faithlessness. That's the pattern of this prayer this morning. God's faithfulness and Israel's faithlessness. St. Augustine once said it like this. He said, sin is believing the lie that you are self-created, self-dependent, and self-sustained. This was Israel's problem over and over again. It was their historical cycle of sin. Passed from one generation to the next, they manifest this time and time again. What do you do with a familial path of brokenness? Well, first, look at verse 6 if you have your Bibles open. You're going to find that God's people, as they gather together, they confess the obvious. God, you are Lord and you alone, they say. Nothing in on heaven and on earth compares with you. You made the heavens, the stars, the earth, the sea. You preserve all of it. If you want to know how to break the pattern of sin in your past, it starts here. It starts with acknowledging we were never self-created, never self-dependent, and certainly not self-sustained. But here's part two, and this is, this is the fun part. The people then go all in on a historical confession, not only of God's faithfulness, but of the people's faithlessness. Israel wasn't just looking for a new wall or a new city. They wanted a new start in this moment. So first, they go all the way back to the covenant God made at the very beginning with Abraham. They know him very well. Look at that in verse 7. You promise to bless him, they say. You promise to give him, make him a father of multitudes, a great nation. And they know full well, that's us. And they said, and when we found ourselves in the midst of an enemy enslaved by Egypt, you proved your love in saving our forefathers from Pharaoh and his heavy hand. And when we were lost, wandering in the desert, you led us by a pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. And when we were starving, you fed us. You gave us water by miracles. But here's the most important part. Throughout this entire story, 
throughout this entire prayer, every step of this history, despite God's faithfulness, there is a systematic sinfulness of God's people that gets confessed. God's faithfulness, Israel's faithlessness. God's love, Israel's rejection. God's mercy, Israel's rebellion. You can find the pattern all over this prayer. God, you are righteous, you'll find those words. You've kept your promise, but we are a stiff-necked people who refuse to obey you. God, you are gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We worship the golden calf instead. You gave us kingdoms, you brought us into a promised land. We threw your law behind our backs. And now, even when our sin resulted in the destruction of our own homes, our own temple, and our own land, as they stared out at this mess of rubble, we're standing here, Lord, because you made a way. Brenton Wood was a full-on drug addict. His life was a complete mess. He walked nearly the exact same pathway as that of his parents, He tried many times to break the habit, but he just couldn't quite kick it every time he relapsed back into failure. One night he was on this particular binge and he was angry at God. He was angry at life. And so he decided, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. And so without knowing a soul inside of Central Baptist Church in Conway, Arkansas, he broke in. On his raging high, he destroyed over $100,000 in church property that night. Cameras caught him in the act. He was soon arrested. And after being charged, he waited for months, knowing the book was going to get thrown at him. The day finally came when the judge would sentence him, but first they wanted to hear from the victims of this crime. So the pastor stood up in, in court on behalf of the entire church. He said, your honor, you can't preach grace for 50 years without practicing it. And so the pastor suggested that the church sponsor a recovery program for this man and that they take him under their wing. Brenton Wood had two options at that point. He could serve 20 years in prison or he could have a new start with a church that he had set out to destroy. Woods was in tears as the judge sentenced him to hope. And after an entire year of of, of recovery, he was released back into this this program uh, within the church and he had done everything right, taken every step, served his community service, restored back to community, and he knew he was clean on the outside, but still wretched from within. So on a Wednesday morning in the same church building that had set out to demolish years before, he now gave his life to Christ and was baptized right in front of the people who he wounded so deeply. James Montgomery Boyce says it like this. There can be no genuine forward progress for either a nation or an individual without acknowledgement of and sorrow for and a true turning from sin. How do you change a sin-stained pathway that so many have walked before us? And what do we do when we're looking down at our own feet and we realize we've chosen the same trail? See, for the first time in Nehemiah's story, the concept of leadership is no longer about one man. It's not about Nehemiah and his wall. It's not about Ezra and his priesthood. This is now about all of God's people leading as one and return back to him. And so with this sackcloth and this fasting and this earth on their heads, we're told for a quarter of the day, they heard from God's word, and for the next quarter, they made confession and worship to the Lord. For three hours, they considered the righteousness and holiness of God, and for the next three, they confessed just how far they had fallen away. 
Notice this. This is the important part. There are no excuses made for the previous generation. There are no exclusions as though what our forefathers did in sin doesn't matter today for us. There are no justifications offered for their own wanderings. There is only worship of the one who is blameless and confession from those who are not. It reminds me of the famous words of Robert, Robert Frost. You'll know them well. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long as I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. What path have your feet been walking on? I've seen all the videos this week. I'm sure I've seen all of them. A number of you have shared your thoughts and your prayers and your own videos, your own concerns. We've watched the protests not only play out all over the world, but here in Bozeman. What should the church do? In Bozeman, Montana, what should we do in the midst of this historical moment in time? And it is historical. Here's a start. What does God teach us right now in his word in this moment? Lord, you are faithful. We so often are not. Second Chronicles 7.14 says it like this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now think about this with me. This is the picture of Jesus Christ. This is the one who made a way and a path where there was no way. Jesus cut through and blazed a trail that only he could make. While we were all still lost on the paths of our generational sin, Christ comes in his righteousness and dies for us. And if we would just confess that sin and follow him, then he'll lead the way. And remember what God's promised all of us along this journey. Remember this, this is what he said. He said, one day every nation will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me say that again. Every nation will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, that means, if we really break that down, we have to be for what God is for. We have to be against what God is against. Are you with me? We have to be for what God is for every nation, every tongue coming before him and against what God is against. See, sin is not only that thing which resides within me, it is that which has carved a path by those who have gone before me. And because sin is individual, it is by its very nature structural. That means the trail is deep and it's carved. Look down, really, what path are you walking? We are a people of patterns 
and pathways, all of us, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, Indian, Latino, our sins, they are many. Our paths, they are trodden. His mercy is more. His grace is more. His love is more. So the, this, this whole prayer ends like this. God's people fall to their knees, and this is their confession. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardships seem little to you that has come upon us. You have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. What path have you been walking? What patterns do you see? Tomorrow, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, our nationwide church, has declared a day of mourning and fasting. Morning and fasting and prayer, and here's why. Um, we want to be a church that responds to and engages a world that is clearly lost. We want to be a witness for Christ. And here at Spring Hill, we've said as a church, we want to be a church to call home. We want to be a church that seeks to love our neighbor well. We want to be a church that desires to honor God in all that we say and that we do. And friends, the only way to do that is not to be caught up and all that he said, she said, he said, she did. But to be caught up in the confession of where we are before the Lord. Pray this with me. God, would you search us this morning? Would you know our hearts, Lord? God, we confess, we know that generational sin goes back a long ways. And for some of us, even in our own lifetime, we've realized we still got a long ways to go. So God, would you test us right now? Would you know our thoughts? Would you see if there's any offensive way in us? God, in this moment in time, this moment of history, would we be a people who are on our knees before you, eagerly waiting to, to serve you, to please you, to know you, to follow you, God? And as we confess the paths that so many have walked before us in sin, Lord, would you help us not only to look to them, but also to look within and to see where our feet have trodden, God, we confess, Lord, may you be the way, the truth, and the life in our midst. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. This is a time of worship, a time of saying thank you and being able to look and see how God has provided for us, both spiritually, matured, materially, and, and all of how he has loved us. And it's a time of saying thanks. Time of saying I love you. In the back we have plates. As you go out, uh, just put your tithes and offerings in that. So let's pray. Father, again, thank you for how you have loved us. Father, I pray that as we give, we give with a joyful heart. Father, with a, a heart that says thank you. For we want to honor you in absolutely everything that we do. Father, bless us now as we pray in your son's name. Amen. Will you stand and worship with us at, as we close? Because he lives. God sent his son.
people said, amen, amen. Friends, as we leave today, we're gonna ask that you not stay inside and congregate, but just go out to the parking lot and make your conversations there. That way we all stay uh, good and safe. Um, we still have some time before the storms settle in. Go find a trail, go find a path. And as you walk on it today, ask yourself, what are the paths that those have walked before me that affect my path today? And what new path might I need to take? And it's my absolute joy to now pray this prayer over you. Will you pray it with me? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go and serve the Lord and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Have a good week, guys.